With the recent visit of Pope Francis and with the upcoming Synod on the Family, which is starting today, one of the things that we constantly hear is, when is the church going to change its rules on divorce and remarriage? We see in the Gospel reading, of course, that the church's understanding of divorce is grounded in the very words of our Savior. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she too commits adultery. Jesus points us to the fact that the Christian understanding of marriage is rooted in the very nature of reality. For this reason, a man shall leave his wife, leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. By its very nature, marriage creates an indissoluble bond between two people, a bond that is before God, one that cannot be broken by human choice. From the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we see that the coming together of man and women, or man and woman, creates one flesh, not a contract or an exchange, not a bargain. Adam longs for his wife Eve as he longs for his own body because she is flesh of his flesh. We don't fall in love saying, I will love you for the next five years, or I will love you until I don't find you interesting or attractive anymore. No, to even say that would be a self-contradiction. Love, by its very nature, implies forever. But sadly, we have become very transactional about love and relationships. We've changed love and marriage from being about self-giving and self-denial to being about self-interest and self-gratification. A big part of the reason why we as a society have found ourselves in this situation is because we have divorced sex and marriage. When so many people seek marital intimacy outside of marriage, and when so much of our art and our entertainment and our public discourse revolves around carnal imagery, it's no wonder that the idea of marital commitment becomes harder to live up to. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that people can't make mistakes and overcome them. Our faith means nothing if it doesn't stand for redemption. But when we feel that we can seek one of the highest goods of marriage outside of marriage, we have a tendency to feel that we are entitled to anything we want. We become narrow and self-focused, seeing all things, including even marriage itself, as about gratifying our own needs and wants. Thus, it's no wonder that the Gospel writer, immediately after he finishes Jesus' discourse about divorce, recounts this scene where Jesus says, Let the children come to me. Because the most immediate casualties of our culture's faulty understanding of marriage our embrace of divorce and the sexual revolution, our children, children who grow up in broken homes and with an impoverished view of intimacy and marriage. But there's another common casualty as well, and that is our aged, our parents and the other elderly in our families. As our society glorifies the physical and the carnal, with the resulting loosening of the bonds of family, we also begin to devalue our elders. We see them, like children, as simply a drag on our lifestyles, as a burden rather than the source of joy that they are. That's why we are fortunate today to have several sisters here from the Little Sisters of the Poor. 
The vocation of the little sisters of the poor is to care for the elderly, which they do at over 200 homes for the aged in 31 different countries, including here in nearby D.C. and Richmond. These remarkable sisters give their lives to serving the elderly and the infirm, to seeing that they can live out their final years with dignity in an environment of love. What a countercultural witness they give by their very existence. Sister Ophelia will be making some remarks at the end of the Mass, and then we will be having a second collection for them. I hope you will consider giving generously to support this important mission. But beyond that, I hope that you pray for the little sisters of the poor and the people that they serve in two ways. One, as you might have heard on the news, the little sisters are currently in a legal battle with the federal government over the sisters being forced to comply with the Obamacare contraceptive mandate. After listening to Sister Ophelia talk about the work that they do, I hope you will reflect on the utter absurdity that our government is spending millions of your tax dollars to fight these women over this issue. Second, please pray for more vocations to the Little Sisters of the Poor. Of course, more vocations are needed everywhere, but especially for the Little Sisters, they need vocations in order to keep their homes for the elderly open. This is critical work that they do, work that is so often overlooked by our larger society. And if you are a young woman who has any inkling that this might be your call, I know that the sisters would be happy to help you discover if this is your true vocation. And if you have a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece or a goddaughter, pray that she might consider this critical vocation as well. So please be generous, both spiritually and financially.